All right, glad you could join us here on the bench show at six eight one zero four one zero six. If you want to get in touch, you can tweet us as well. At Big Red Bench is the place to do that. Uh, before we move on, hear from Russell Rovers. Ryan's going to get us up to date on everything that's been uh, happening today. Yeah, cheers, Ro. We'll start with Gaelic Games. Russell Rovers are the AIB Munster Club Junior Hurling Champions. Corkside beat St. Mary's of Waterford by eight points this afternoon. Final score, Russell Rovers 2.13 to St. Mary's 11 points. In football news, Leicester have set a new club record of eight successive top flight wins. They beat Aston Villa comfortably 4-1 this afternoon to cut Liverpool's advantage at the top of the Premier League to just eight points. Jamie Vardy scoring a brace to bring his record to 16 goals in 16 Premier League games. Elsewhere, uh, Enda Stevens' goal helped Sheffield United come back from a goal down to beat Norwich City. It finished 2-1 to the Blades. That moves them into eighth place in the table. Newcastle also came back fighting. They were 1-0 down to Southampton at St. James's Park before goals from John Joe Shelby. And Fernandez helped Steve Bruce's men along their way to all three points. Now, in the 4.30 kickoff, uh, just over 15 minutes left to play between Brighton and Wolves. It's currently 2-all after an eventful first half there. Uh, we'll have a full-time report from that game and all of the other Premier League ties a little later on in the show. In Scotland, Celtic have won the Scottish League Cup. They've beaten Rangers one goal to nail at Hampden Park this afternoon. Uh, the goal coming on the hour mark there. It's the Hoops' 10th trophy in a row. Yeah, that was um, it was lashing rain in Hampden Park today. I was watching a bit of this game today. Uh, Celtic reduced to uh, 10 men as well. It's play uh, over a half an hour with uh, 10 men. Um, but it, the, the rain was just something else and obviously with um, Celtic having 10 men they were under a tremendous amount of pressure uh, but Fraser Forster in goal for Celtic today was a colossus nothing could get past him right. he was so calm in the air absolutely brilliant man of the match by an absolute mile and this is what Neil Lennon had to say about him afterwards he's world class you know yeah, you've so much faith in him and he just keeps getting better and in his first spell here he recorded some unbelievable performances and he's done it again today he did it in Lazio he's done it along the way we're so so thankful to have him here and he's he's delighted to be here and you can see how much it means to him but he was awesome today and he needed to be because first half we were so flat yeah absolutely sensational stuff there from Fraser Forster today there's a great video on Celtics Twitter of Neil Lennon going into the dressing room just saying lads tomorrow off and they'll celebrate <laughs> so they're going to enjoy that celebration but that's an incredible achievement 10 domestic trophies in a row yeah, is a sensational list. achievement it's their fourth league title in a row and um, I suppose Celtic fans will be delighted to see off Rangers as well in the final uh, but absolutely uh, fantastic stuff and that's going to go down to the wire as well in the title race but it looks for the nip and tuck stuff it looks very good this year yeah, it's nice and tight so yeah that's excellent yeah fair play to him uh, in the FAI Intermediate Cup third round replay Middleton losing 2-1 to Cockhill Celtic this afternoon that was followed by by a match in Dublin between Leeds and Verona. Leeds losing 4-2 on penalties. It finished 3-all uh, after extra time. In rugby, Connacht have lost in the European Champions Cup to Gloucester this afternoon. The Westerners went down 26 points to 17. Jack Porch gave Andy Friendside the lead early on. However, the Premiership side proved too good in the end. It leaves Connacht bottom of Pool 5. I just want to hear briefly there from Andy Friend. He says uh, there's still a lot to play for in the competition. We want to make sure we reverse that uh, that result there today, and if we do that, we'll see where that that finishes us in terms of, you know, whether we can get four or five points next week. If we can, great. We, we might have a look at where we sit, but all eyes are on next week and trying to win that game. Great stuff. In basketball, in the Women's Super League, DCU Mercy have beaten Ambassador UCC Glanmire. The final score there, DCU 85 points to Glanmire's 72. Earlier this afternoon, Tradehouse Central Ballon Colleague overcame Father Matthews in a Cork Derby in the Men's First Division. 
That game ended Tradehouse Central Ballet College 71 for the Matthews 37 points. In the snooker, Steve Maguire and Ding Zhongwei meeting in the final of the UK Championship in York today. Uh, the first session got underway just after one o'clock. Ding Zhongwei leads five frames to three following this afternoon's session. They're back on the table in less than an hour from seven o'clock. And finally now, just a quick mention to Athletics. Athletics Ireland has had its most successful European cross-country championships at four medal tally in all. Uh, Ephraim Giddy took the bronze in the under-21 6,225 metre race while Stephanie Cotter also came third in the women's under-23s there was also success for the under-23 women's team getting silver in the 6,225 metres while this in the senior women's side they also took silver for the 8,225 metre race Alright, thanks for that, Ryan. Going to wrap up uh, the day's Premier League action. Going to go around the grounds and uh, get reports. We'll start with Leicester's fantastic win uh, away to Aston Villa today and Tom Gale. Full-time Aston Villa 1, Leicester 4. That's eight wins on the bounce for Brendan Rodgers' side as they close the gap on leaders Liverpool to eight points. Jamie Vardy scored in each of these games and he got two today with two classic in-behind counter-attacking goals. Ineacho and Evans with the others. And it was a goal for Grealish in the first half which proved to be a consolation that's one win in the last six for Villa as only goal difference keeps them out of the drop zone it's full time it's Aston Villa 1 Leicester 4 so that's a new club record of eight successive top flight wins for Leicester after that 4-1 win today and uh, manager Brendan Rodgers certainly a happy man the team that's in the real history books of, of Leicester City the Ace Kings they were called and they were a you know, very very famous team and so, so to go on and break that record in the top flight is as I said, it's a real historical achievement by the players. Sheffield United winning 2-1 away to Norwich. Derek Clark. Full-time Norwich City 1, Sheffield United 2. Chris Welder's men come from behind to take all three points at Carroll Road. Alex Tetty gave the Canaries a half-time lead when his left-footed strike found the corner after 27 minutes. But the Blades turned the game on its head in a three-minute spell. Enda Stevens headed them level from close range. And then fellow full-back George Bulldog netted the winner from the edge of the area on 52 minutes. Full-time here, it's Norwich City 1, Sheffield United 2. Elsewhere, Southampton winning uh, 2-1 away to Newcastle. Stephen Goldsmith. Newcastle 2, Southampton 1. The visitors will feel hard done by. They aren't taking all three points home. Never mind the one they threw away at the end. Federico Fernandez fired home a late winner, smashing home a rebound after McCarthy failed to hold a shot by Longstaff. John Joe Shelby headed Newcastle level before that. This after Danny Ings had fired the visitors into the lead. It finished at St. James. James's Park, Newcastle 2, Southampton 1. Sorry, I got that score obviously wrong there in the uh, intro to that clip. It was obviously Newcastle uh, 2, Southampton 1, uh, the full-time score from that game. And it's still 2-all between Brighton and Wolves uh, with 80 minutes on the clock. All right, we are going to begin by talking Gaelic Games. A fantastic win for Russell Rovers, who will crown the AAB Munster Junior Hurling Champions today as they beat St Mary's of Waterford 2.30. To 11 points was how that finished. Karen Murphy uh, was in uh, Dungarvan for us and spoke to Russell Rovers boss Noel Furlong. I'm joined now by the coach of Russell Rovers, Noel Furlong. And Noel, what an achievement was for Russell Rovers. Such a small area to lift our first ever Munster crown. Yeah, look, it's an unbelievable achievement uh, for a small club, as you said, to come down here and win the Munster final by eight points against a really good team. So, you know, uh, it's nothing more than these players deserve for the effort and the commitment and the attitude they've shown all year. Uh, and, you know, you see that there, 20 minutes to go, there was only a point in it. Um, you know, and we had to really dig in. And, you know, I think when things are at their toughest, our players are at their best. So they 
proved that again today. So, fantastic achievement, and I just couldn't be happier for the whole community and for the players themselves. Yeah, you see, throughout the championship this year, especially these core championship, you just dug out the games, like never say die attitude against St. Ethan's and Liskul, especially that was shown. Yeah, look, we made a conscious effort. We knew they had a long year last year, so we came back very late. We came back to the end of March. Uh, you know, so we left ourselves open that we knew we weren't going to be hitting top gear uh, in the earlier phases of the championship. And you know, we rode a couple of um, games. You know, Liz Gould, Eaters, especially there were two games we took, uh, and we had to dig them out. Uh, and you know, since then the momentum momentum has started to build. And you know, since we kind of you know got into the East Cork final, and since then we've kind of we've gone to a different level altogether. And you can see some of the hurling, some of the support play, and you know the effort from the players is just getting better and better. Yeah, the depth here panel as well is really outstanding. Like you see, like like said Daniel O'Brien, who played such a crucial role last year, coming off the bench. Like you've great options to come off the bench throughout the game. We do. We've great options. It's a small community, and we've a small um, uh, panel, and we've four lads actually lost the cruciate injuries as well this year. Um, so we're, we're down to the bare bones. But what we have is quality, and you know, um, it's great there to be able to you know have a game in the mix and to be able to bring on uh, players off the bench and actually you know at times improve the team and you know fellas who are willing to do the job. For the team there's no one is kind of saying I should be starting or whatever else they're all happy to contribute in whatever way they can and you know you can see that they're a fierce united bunch yeah you see uh, throughout the game now today like scores can come from everywhere in your team like you got the likes of Jack McGrath Josh Mazang Bud Hartnett there's a plethora of players who could get on the score sheet Fielders included like Kevin Tatton and Caramels. Yeah, look, I, I suppose people in the media and people um, who don't really know the squad would highlight Bud and Josh and they're kind of saying they're your main threats. And that's fair enough, they're very good players, but we've a number of other players who have contributed on the scoreboard right throughout the year. Um, and you know, that's fair enough talk about the forwards, but you're looking at the scoreboard again today 11 points conceded. Our average concession all year has been 11.5 points, so it's all well and good to say you can put the ball over the bar, but you know, the defence is equally as important. And you know, I would say that that is the rock which our team is built upon is a really strong defence and you've seen it again today Yes, Noel Furlong there the uh, manager of Russell Over speaking after their win in the AIB Munster Club uh, Junior Hurling Championship final with that win over St Mary's today you could hear the storm picking up there in the background yeah, I know yeah storm <laughs> Atia is it? Uh, it's a storm Atia Atia I so, know that. There you go. Um, so yeah, it's picking up. Uh, if you're out, in the, uh, just be careful out there, folks, uh, with the weather uh, out there this evening. Uh, we can hear it like outside yeah, our studio this evening. Just stay inside, battering the, the Red FM office at the moment. Um, so look, just take it easy out there. Obviously, the, uh, this evening. All right, going to hear now from uh, Russell Rovers captain Daniel Moynihan. I'm joined now with captain of Russell Rovers Daniel Moynihan. Daniel, what an achievement was for Russell Rovers today, lifting their first ever Munster crown. Uh, it's just an incredible feeling. A couple of years ago, we never thought we'd even here. We were trying to win East Park and then maybe push on to the county, but once we got to the past the county, we focused on the Munster, and it's just unbelievable to be here. Great feeling for such a small club. As you mentioned, such a small uh, area like Shanagari and Ballycon. Like, what, what a sense of community there is here today. You look, uh, look around, look, look what it's done today. It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah, it's a great feeling. You can see the, the numbers there and the colours. Everyone's rode in behind us and gave us great support and it's a great boost to the team. It's, re- it's really a feel-good f- factor to have everyone involved with the team. And for such a small area, the amount of depth you have is also very notable. Like, the, uh, the bench, like, everyone played their role, like Daniel Bryan off the bench, all superb players to have off the bench. Yeah, we were great fan. Like, Dob, there you mentioned, came off the bench. He played hearty cup for Middleton CBS, so that just shows the depth we have. We just have a fierce, solid group of lads, a couple of age groups came together. They all have serious interest in hurling and they've been good 
team since they were younger. As you mentioned there, the Hearty Cup team, you see the, the role that plays in the team, but more recently, like Ono Sullivan involved, like it's playing a great role in many teams in East Cork. Oh, definitely, that's a huge boost. It's, I'd say it's a massive boost for every club in East Cork to have team players playing on higher levels and teams outside their club, and I think every, everyone involved in our team has, has featured outside on a different a different uh, divisional or school team, and it's a massive boost when they're coming back playing at this level. Yeah, it's Daniel Moynihan there speaking uh, to, to Karen after uh, today's uh, win. Going to hear now from our selector on Ivers. I'm joined now by selector Owen Ivers and what win today was for us Rovers Unbelievable Kieran. unbelievable from we came down here we knew we were going to have a ferocious battle today and it was exactly that it was we came up against a very physical St Mary's team and it wasn't until the last 10 minutes where we were able to put the game to bed and unbelievable feeling once we're champions and for the area Shandigar in Ballycotton like, for such a small area what a feeling is winning a Munster final uh, it's beyond our wildest dreams like up to up to four years ago we were under pressure as a club we got a serious committee in place serious group of players excellent coaching and it's all came to to the helm today yeah, you see the underage in, uh, between St. Coleman's out to murder. Like you see talent like Owen Sullivan coming through. It really has helped us Rovers. Oh, 100%. There's a number of them. James Kinnefick, Josh Wazang, Owen Sullivan, Luke Murray, Ross Walsh. There's a, a lot of that team and our main players here. And it was a total 1-20 to effort again today. We're carrying Norman. They're all excellent players, very well balanced. And you can see that again today. You really saw throughout the championship, really, including the East Coast Championship, the battle of the team, like against the school and saying, yes, you really came from the dead late on and pulled the games out of it, and that's really a credit to you. Yeah, absolutely. It was a never-say-die attitude. We know we've serious training put in, and that counts in the last 10 minutes when games are in the melting pot. And I think again today we showed where, for the first 50 minutes, there was nothing in it, and the last 10 minutes again we, we pulled away again today. You look at the forwards, really, of uh, Josh Brazang as well today. He's really been the stand-up performer this championship. He's really, he's really put in some unbelievable performances this year. Ah, 100%. He's free-taking and general players impeccable in today. He's a super player, but we, from 1 to 15, we're carrying no one. They're all super players. Yeah, that's uh, Owen Ivers, their selector. All of us, Lovers, congratulations indeed uh, to them on that fantastic win today in the Munster Club Junior Hurling Championship final against uh, St Mary's Town in uh, what sounded like a very, very windy Dungarvan indeed. All right, 86 minutes on the clock. Uh, Brighton 2, Wolves 2 is how it remains there at the Amex Stadium. Uh, we're going to talk snooker now because uh, young uh, Corkman certainly... Uh, creating some headlines I suppose uh, in his career so far and that's Yold Ross Bullman who was in action in the UK Championship uh, in uh, last week as he took on Ronnie O'Sullivan Ronnie uh, getting the better of him what an experience it must have been for Ross to find out more Ryan's been in conversation with him So on the line I'm pleased to be joined by an 18 year old who's had one hell of a year it's Yold Snooker Sensation Mr Ross Bullman how are you Ross? Not too bad not good uh all good, all good. Listen, we're delighted to have you on the bench today, Ross, particularly towards the end of what's been a very busy year for you, you could say. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, a lot of travelling involved, so look, uh, have it, looking forward to having a good Christmas, I suppose, and just relaxing. Yeah, looking forward to a bit of a Christmas break, I'm sure. Ross, before we dive deeper into 2019, take me back to the origins of snooker for you. Kind of, when did you first pick up a cue? Yeah, I kind of first picked up my hubert when I was about eight. Uh, my brother started before me, and my grandfather used to be taking him in then I was about eight and I started going and watching and uh, 
Brendan Cooney from the old CMS actually just told me to start playing away one day and just took off all from there then. And did you find it came to you quickly, Ross? Did you take a lot of practice or did you take to it naturally? Ah, it took hours of practice, yeah. Hours. I actually started playing pool for stuff in my own house. That's how it really started. Had oh. a pool day with Christmas and then just started playing it. Then came into snooker, so lucky with that. Okay, um, fair enough. And I, I, my brother was here before me, as I say, so that was good as well. Very good. Are you playing as part of a club, Ross? Yeah, yeah, I'm playing with the odds, I miss, yeah. Clary, you know, in general, and stuff, team championships, much team championships, so. Very good, very good. Listen, Ross, is there any players, kind of in particular, past or present, you try and incorporate their style, or do you try to do your own thing? Yeah, right. Just going to do my own thing, take it sort of frame by frame, ball by ball, is what I kind of look at it, really. There's no point just kind of copying players, you just don't take a point in the task. Yeah, <laughs> you're trying to do your own thing. <laughs> yeah, just play my own game. You're dead right, you're dead right. You've played a lot of snooker this year, Ross, particularly at, apart from the ranking events. Uh, you played a lot of tour qualifiers, a lot of Q school. What's the atmosphere like in those events, Ross, with so many kind of young players like yourself looking to get that tour card? Yeah, well, I started off in Q school. I went to Q school, I'd say, two years ago. And uh, I went there, I did one of the group four grade first time for me, but you always do. Obviously, nerve wracking at the first first event. Then I went in the second year and I lost up by a frame, but it's just so nerve wracking. It's just, it's not even about breaks, it's just tight frames and just keeping all the games tight. And I was just very unlucky to be honest not to be on the tour. There was no by one frame. It, it's probably tough for us, I'd say, is it, in terms of there's so many other young players who you can't really have, have researched or watched a lot of beforehand, so you don't know what you're kind of getting into each time, I'd say. Yeah, that's it. Well, I've actually, I, I played a good few. I played a good few expos. I played, um, I played Jamie Curtis Bowers in the, in the second event. I played him and I played, uh, uh, I can't remember who he, he was another ex-pro and he was, I just off the tour and I played him as well. So there, there's, a, there's always ex-pros in it and uh, I, I played a few of them so I was alive with them as well. Very Gave good. Me more confidence going into the event, Absolutely. Now, in July, you played uh, world number 37, Michael Holt, I believe, at the Riga Masters, and you took the first frame there. How did that feel, Ross? Yeah, it was, it was good. It was good, actually. That was my first, I think, as you said, getting into from the world here, from the Houston. Um, yeah, it was a good game. I didn't do much wrong. I, I won a good first frame, and he went to a century of 70 after that or something, 60, really. I didn't do much wrong in the game. He just, he just played over his mind. At yeah. the time, was uh, then I, I was the second qualifier actually, and that 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 week, I'm sure, against Chris Wakeland from in the China Championship qualifiers, I lost six two there. So that was a tough enough game, so, but more the exp- more experience, the better to get. Absolutely, you're getting plenty of it this year, no doubt. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, I was even there alone last week, but um, just makes you more hungrier for the game and. Makes you more want to get on the tour all the time, you know, so hopefully this year I can get on it. Now, Ross, more recently, I suppose, you beat uh, world number 89 Zhang Ying Kang at the Northern Ireland Open last night. You were averaging just under 67 points a frame in that game. Or you were happy with that, I'm sure. Yeah, that was, geez, it was a great game, actually. I was just kind of saying, just not to lose, really. I was, I was actually over in Turkey at the World Amateur Championships, and I had, I had the great tournament in the last 64. And I was after I was beaten last six four I got the phone call from Wolves Oaks and I ran down the room, so I was delighted with that. And and then when I seen the draw I, I didn't know much about him, but there was a few of you telling me he's a very good player and he was 
he wouldn't have been 89 in the world if he wasn't a good player so as you went in saying like nothing to lose but I, yeah I played very well in that game with just, I had a 90 yard and all the second frame yeah, he didn't, he didn't. He didn't get near me for the first three frames. Yeah, like you say, Ross, you played some really great stuff. Just to mention again, that second frame, you made a break of ninety-two actually, just before missing a kind of a tricky red to the bottom right cushion, denied you the century. But some really fine snooker from you there, Ross. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was actually a lucky. Night. I was trying to take out the red off the cushion and just get hopefully get the century. But I had that. I had my first pro pro tour century, as you could say, a month beforehand. That so that would have been nice to get my second. Sure. That's the way the game goes. Asha, you've plenty of time yet, Ross. That earned you a seat at the table with a season pro, Joe Perry, uh, who plays a very quick game, you could say. Yeah, yeah, that was a very good game, actually. It was played well in that as well, actually. I probably might have missed a few easy ones. Maybe. That was probably more nerve than that. Playing a number 15 world. Uh, but it was very enjoyable, and the experience is unbelievable. Just sitting there and playing them was just unbelievable. Um, could, have been, could have been 3-1 up. With a bit of luck here and there, which sure. he he played well, I like to win four two. Yeah, now Ross, probably uh, one of your main highlights, I'd say, of 2019. Just tell us your immediate reaction when you found out you'd be playing Ronnie O'Sullivan in the UK Championship. Yeah, well, I actually actually wasn't expecting to draw. I was not expecting to draw till the till the two till the Wednesday or Thursday. I actually got to draw on the Tuesday night. I've been to local club down here. And I went home and I saw the draw. I was looking down, I was scrolling down through the draw, and I couldn't. I just couldn't see my name. I said, "Where is it? Where is it?" But I seen Ronnie's at the top. And mine was just above Ronnie's name, so Jesus, unbelievable! Actually, just to just to feeling was just unbelievable. I'd say to do a bit of a double take, I did just to make sure. <laughs> oh yeah, I checked a few times actually. The whole town would know within twenty minutes, so that was that was unbelievable. Oh, of course, good good news travels fast, as they say. Yeah. Uh, Ross, tell me a bit about the, your actual experience then at the UK Championship. I suppose you were effectively on centre stage there against one of the finest players the sport has ever seen. What was that like for you? Yeah, yeah, I was unreal. Just even even walking out with the with the four other pros were just was just unbelievable. Uh, Mark Allen, Jimmy Weiss, uh there were two others, four others on other on the other two tables. And then there was me and Ronnie Watt no one said, but it was just it was unbelievable. The crowd there was yeah, even I was there the day before and the crowds were were big, but the crowds going into the game for the my game that night was just unreal just to see Ronnie. But as soon as Ronnie went in they were all gone. But it's just it was unbelievable. Unbelievable in that kind of crowd and uh, just uh, more experience I suppose again. Absolutely, and to be honest, Ross, like I watched the game back, all things considered, you played some good snooker, like in the fifth frame, uh, I thought you made some fine cueing, you were kind of uh, bringing yourself back up nicely for the blue on a couple of occasions, would you say that's one of the strongest aspects of your game? Yeah, probably, yeah, probably since I was, from, since I was about 13, I suppose, probably, even even that week I made my first uh, 147 break in the club against one of my teammates, so that was... It couldn't come better a week for me. Actually, that that week was unreal for me. Um, but yeah, that it probably is one of my strongest points in the game. Break building is you have to break build in this game to win games, and that's that's the way I look at it. And I did. I have missed a few, right? But I suppose you know when you're playing the best of to hold the queue, I suppose you're obviously going to miss a few. When you're only 18 years of age, first time you did the African Centre in the UK Championship. Like. Uh, would you look to play, I suppose, when you're in kind of playing with your club and that, like, do you play defensively at all? Do you ever kind of play for the safety or are you kind of more of an attacking player? Uh, 
like the last two years now, after tightening up because I know by your last stupid games there down through the years written when I was just too open. So I'm, I'm, I am tightening up a bit, which is which is good, and that that um, that'll help through Q school this year and the up and coming European Championships in February as well. So that'll help that. But no, I, I'm after tightening up a lot. My safety is after getting way better and. Just, I just do the more practice, I suppose, that the better you'll get in there. I suppose it's probably about be, becoming kind of an all-round player, isn't it, really? Yeah, that's it, yes. Yeah, I suppose it's just about getting safety, right? And then, then when you get the chance, just, just kill him then, like. Ross, I suppose a young man like yourself trying to break into the sport, it can't all be done by yourself. You probably have a great backroom team with you, do you? Yeah, I have. Actually, I actually got a sponsor this year, which is uh, worth his barren y'all, so I greatly appreciate it with them. Uh, couldn't do it and my family I suppose as well couldn't do it without them um, and my coach as well in Carroll I couldn't thank him enough sending me thrills and plans and all for my practice so couldn't thank them enough and uh, just thanks to them yeah of course Ross you mentioned you did a lot of travelling in uh, 2019 what's next for you in terms of kind of tournaments and, and ranking events what are you hoping to do next year well I have actually two more qualifiers coming up in the next two weeks I got into the German Masters qualifiers uh, in the 17th of December and that's on in Barnsley and the two days after that the other qualifier for the European Masters is on in Barnsley so I learned to do them so I'm hoping to have the draw now in the next few days so I can look at doing flights as far as and stuff and just uh, so that they're my next two tournaments and hopefully I can qualify for them and go to Germany and I think it's Austria for the European Masters I think Fantastic Ross how do you find it uh, I, I suppose you're kind of you're knocking on the door and trying to get in to those ranking events and trying to establish a name for yourself and etc etc how do you find it as a sport for a young person like yourself to break into Yeah I suppose as they say it's a, it's a very tough sport to get into these days because I, I think the Chinese are starting to take it over so like there's not many there's not many Irish pros around no other than Fergal O'Brien, Kindarty, I suppose, is the, the, other, the only two. So hopefully I can get on to it and be the third pro in Ireland uh, to do it. Yeah, that would be that would be fantastic. Yeah, it is. It, there's a lot of Chinese players, a lot of investment in Asia across the board. Really, a lot of fine players coming out of Asia. But I suppose there's there is room in the market for a new kind of Kindarty to come along. It could be yourself, Ross. Hopefully, yeah, with, with a bit of luck and. More practice, I suppose. Uh, I'll try to get there, eh? and Q's school, the up and coming Q school, and the, the European Championships are in February. That's a big month for me, you know. That'll be the European under twenty one. So I was in the final that last year, played by Jackson Cage. So hopefully, I can go one step further and win that this year, and then just get on to the tour and see what happens for two years. Hopefully, Ross, that'd be absolutely fantastic. I wish you all the best. Thanks so much for talking to us today. No bother. Cheers. Thanks, Thanks Ross. Cheers. Y'all's Ross Bullman there talking to us uh, about his uh, snooker career. Certainly has a big future ahead of him by the sounds of it, Ryan. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he's cool as a cucumber as well. <laughs> you can hear when he's talking about playing Ronnie and playing Joe Perry and the rest of it. I'd be bouncing off the walls telling anyone who'll listen if I was in a room with those guys, but he's taking it all in his stride. And like, I suppose they, they're his peers, essentially, like, you know, when he's playing them. Do you know what 100%, I mean? 100%. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Like, the. The crowd are there to watch Ronnie and him play the sport. So yeah, he should be uh, he should be very proud of himself. He's he's in a great position. Uh, it's like he he mentioned uh, about halfway through the interview there how he's kind of uh, tightening up his game and kind of uh, pushing his safety play and his defensive play. I feel like that'll really stand to him because I I know there's a lot of players, uh, particularly Neil Robertson's quite vocal about that. 
that when they turned pro at the beginning that they were so trigger happy and that they were looking to go in and that they were always trying to pot a ball each time and playing almost kind of too much on the attack but then as soon as they kind of uh, thought about the game a bit differently thought about it and kind of uh, looked at it and kind of thinking well where can I play defensively here where can mm. I cause a bit of bother uh, he started kind of climbing up through the ranks a good bit so it'd be good for Ross to kind of round out his game like that certainly big things ahead for him yes certainly so All right, we're going to take a quick break when we come back and talk to Kieran McCarthy but let's get The Big Red Bench Saturday and Sunday from 6pm Cork's Red FM Alright, glad you could join us for the Big Red Bench Full time between Brighton and Wolsey and Welding Full time, Brighton have Albion 2 Wolves 2 in the end of draw was probably fair All the goals came in the first half and an enthralling first 45 minutes Two goals from Jota, one from Mope and one for Popper for Brighton and Nova Albion All in the space of 16 minutes In the second half, both sides were a lot more solid Wolves could have had a penalty but VAR for a handball said no Brighton and Nova Albion also came close to or three times but in the end it's even Stevens at the Amex Stadium Wolves move up to 6th Brighton stay 12th full time Brighton over Albion 2 Wolves 2 now we're going to talk rowing now Kieran McCarthy the sports editor the Southern Star has written a fantastic book on uh, the rise of Skibbereen rowing it's called Something in the Water it's been getting fantastic reviews and uh, it's available now from all our good bookshops but uh, Kieran popped into me to talk about the book so I started by asking him uh, when he first decided to write the book um, I suppose it's always something that's been in the back of the head um, because there's such a great story down there an incredible club but the, the dots were kind of joined together by Dennis Hurley mm. um, Dennis Hurley knew Patrick O'Donoghue from Mercy or Press and Dennis put myself and Patrick in touch and from our first conversation over a coffee in McCroom probably two years ago now kind of Patrick said, is there a book in Skibreen Rowing Club? And I said, Jesus, there is. Yeah. You know, it's in it. Like I said, it's an incredible club. So it kind of it kind of grew roots from there and it, it just took off. Because you've obviously been covering it quite in detail like you know, over the last number of years. Yeah, very lucky. Yeah, as a sports editor of the Southern Star and kind of, I, I'm in Skibreen and the Rowing Club was only two minutes out the road. Um, and even go back kind of before the Olympics when Gary and Paul were in secondary school, they were some of the kids who used to come into the Southern Star and insert the papers inside in, in, into the Star that used to go on years ago. <laughs> So it's a very small community down there. Um, the corner bar is just around the corner from the Southern Star, and that's the local haunt of mm. of the Skib Roar. So it's such a kind of small community. I was immersed down there. I knew the people beforehand, so it just made sense in so many levels. And you suppose you'd almost like had all the research done because of your work doing it, I guess. Like, you know what I mean? You kind of knew what to talk about, I guess. That's it. I, suppose I knew all the kind of central characters to the story because um, even before, I know I'm just saying, Gary and Paul, again, even before they became the nation's sweethearts, I kind of I knew them well before it, so I I kind of knew the boys before they became legends mm. and the likes of Dominic Casey uh, Tony Walsh is the local postman below and he was the chairman for years um, not a day went by where I get a knock on the window outside the office and it was it, it was Tony <laughs> looking to, to pop in to talk about rowing or Manchester United or, or Cork football or something so um, I used to go up to the to, to the shop Hennessy's and Teddy O'Donovan Gary and Paul's dad could be in there getting a scone you know mm. you could meet Sean O'Brien on the street so kind of like I said it's, it's a small town small community so I I was lucky that I knew the people down there. And this is your first book, Karen, is it? My first book. How did you find it? I mean, like, was it, it a daunting it, prospect? It, it was tough. Um, I remember when Patrick O'Donoghue told me, he goes, it's like you go down a, 
a rabbit hole. And I didn't know what he meant when, I, when he said it first, but now I do, because you're off, you're off down this rabbit hole and you're trying to find a way out, you're trying to find a light, and it's the biggest jigsaw I've ever had to put together yeah. because this book, um, it tells the story of Skibbereen, how it has conquered the world. But it goes right back to 1970 when the club was first founded by uh, Richard Hosford, Donny Fitzgerald and Danny Murphy. Um, that's a fisherman, a, a butcher and a carpenter. <laughs> um, so you're kind of, you, you want to get the full story and there's so many brilliant roars and people involved from the 49 years. So, like I said, it was just a huge jigsaw and you're kind of pressure on them when you're working in Skibbereen because, like I said, you're, you're you're walking amongst these people on a daily basis, so you want mm. to do their story justice. So, um, yeah, it was challenging at times. How many hours of interviews do you think you did over the course of the book? Oh, God, Jesus, I'd say there was... 100, 150 interviews, easy. Um, I think the kind of the grunt work was 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 the hardest thing, which was transcribing. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah I, how many days of my life? Um, I'd say I was spent up to five or six hundred thousand words of just raw quotes alone. Yeah, just kind of you just transcribe back. Um, but then once you get, once you have all that, you start to put the jigsaw together. Mm. You can see what bits kind of slot in where where you're missing a chunk, where you need to get more and stuff. So um, yeah, but it was a labour love. Yeah, the fact that I'm. I'm working in Skibbereen. I knew these people. Kind of, I felt a real responsibility to tell their story, but to do a very, very good job as well. So mm. um, I didn't mind one bit. And when you met with Mercer Preston, they said, "Is there a book in Skibbereen?" You said, "Yes, there is." I mean, like, did you have an angle in mind straight away, or is that something that came out of just the process? I guess that kind of developed over the process um, because even when I started doing the interviews, I knew some of the kind of the main characters to start off with the interviews first, just to get some bit of a foundation. But I was still even a good few months into it I was still kind of trying to figure out where will I start this where will mm. I finish it will I go linear will I kind of hop kind of chapters kind of hop in and out of different eras and so on so it definitely evolved um, as as I wrote the book and I suppose as information as I learned more stuff that's when it started to kind of link the chapters together yeah. um, one of my one of my favourite moments was um, emails from Dominic Casey that kind of just linked one chapter perfectly just um, showed the level of detail that that man has it, um, it goes back to the to the 2016 Irish Rowan Championships and at the time Dominic was over in Bagnoli's in Spain with Gary and Paul mm. they were preparing for the, the Rio Olympics and the Irish Rowan Championships were on in the National Rowan Centre and that was the that was the Rowan Championships where Skibbereen became the number one Rowan club in the country. They won 13, 13 Rowan Championships that weekend. And Dominic um, was keeping in touch by email. He was keeping in touch by email. So once Dominic, I have those e- once I got those emails from Dominic, it just provided a lovely link into the next chapter because on the Sunday Skibbereen were being kind of hailed as the best Rowan club in yeah. the country. On the Monday morning from Bagnoli's, Dominic sent two emails. The first one was around half eleven. It was just kind of a congratulations, so proud of you all, great work. We got, we got um, it shows that hard work pays off. About 35, 36 minutes later, he sent an email to all the senior male members of the club. And the kind of the subject head was uh, 2017. <laughs> he was already looking ahead. Um, because Skibbereen, for all its success, they've never won the men's eight, yeah. men's senior eight. So he kind of sent an email to all the men's, the, all the kind of candidates for that board, that there was a gap in the calendar in 2017 that Skib could get their international rowers, so that's Gary and Paul and Shane O'Driscoll and Marco Donovan, and the club rowers, that they could come together and create this eight. But it just, again, showed the, the small details this man was like, Rio hadn't even happened yet. Yeah. 2016 people were still celebrating um, Skib becoming number one and he, his mind was already 
Oh yeah, 2017. Nor Laurel's been rested upon no, whatsoever. No, no, no. Plus the reason they're so successful, I suppose, is Dominic's kind of just laser focus, isn't it? It's that relentless consistency. Like, that man just doesn't stop. Ever since he picked up an oar, we were talking about the late 70s, um, it's a top-class roar himself. He won eight national titles during the 1980s. Um, but he just does not stop. He just... He's always thinking about rowing. Kind of, there's a, I always use the phrase, but it's 10,000 rowing thoughts a day going through his head. Yeah. Um, and that's the difference between Dominic and, I suppose, coaches across a lot of different sports because... Uh, a lot of a lot of sports a lot of clubs are very very good coaches and they'll give it their all for five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years but then they'll take a break maybe they're burnt out they just step back for a small bit mm. but Dominic hasn't he's full tilt since since the 1980s and Skibbereen are very very lucky to have him because he's the common denominator through it all you kind of you look at Rowing Ireland's lightweight success now and he's the Rowing Ireland lightweight coach you look at Skibbereen's success he was Skibbereen's kind of main coach for years so he's a his shadow is throughout the entire book. Mm. You can see his fingerprints, um, fingerprints through it, and his love for the sport. Mm. As you mentioned, Gary and Paul are kind of the poster boys, I suppose, uh, for Skibbereen Rowing Club. But as you were mentioning to me off air, the book is about community more so than just two stars, basically. That, that's exactly it. And um, Gary and Paul are very important, but they're just two parts of a far, far bigger jigsaw. Gary and Paul would never have got the chance to win Ireland's first um, Olympic rowing medal in 2016 if it wasn't for all the hard work that went before. If you go back to the noughties, Skibbereen had three Olympians. did Richard Coakley, Eugene Coakley and Timmy Harnaday. I suppose a lot of people mightn't even have heard of these three fellas. Mm. Um, uh, Eugene was at the 2000 and 2004 Olympics. Timmy was at the 2004 Olympics. And Richie was at 2008 in Beijing. But when Gary and Paul and the likes of Shane O'Driscoll and Mark O'Donovan, when they were kind of kids growing up, they were aiming at Eugene and Timmy and, and, and Richie. They wanted to beat them when they were training on the island. So it's just kind of, it's it, it's, it's like a cycle down the Skibbereen. You know, kind mm. of Gary and Paul were chasing uh, Timmy and, and Eugene. Timmy and Eugene were, were chasing the likes of Ross O'Donovan who went before. Mm. So there's so many different rowers down there over the years so many talented rowers that have represented Ireland at national level and, but like you said too it's it's the characters I've met some great people throughout this book like I mentioned Ross O'Donovan there he works mm. inside in, in UCC and Ross is one of life's great characters mm. um, every second word you couldn't print you know but he's just he's just because every roar is tinged with a bit of madness but you have to, you have you, to be, you have to be because when you look at the sport like the sport is it's verging on, on, on the, the crazy because in terms of physical strength you obviously have to be tip top shape like you're talking professional level mm. and it's still an amateur sport the mental strength and the endurance needed to put your body and your mind through 2000 metres of absolute <laughs> torture yeah. at full tilt um, like when they finish races you can see them they can't even stand like their bodies are they're, they're cramping mm. you know they're in absolute pain kind of even talking to Rose throughout this, like their gums are on fire, their teeth are sore, kind of. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it's hard to comprehend <clears throat> what actually what what they go through, what they go through mm. to kind of just just to get to the finish line. So yeah, it was a mm. interesting journey. You've known Gary and Paul since they were kids, and then they were kind of thrust so like right into the spotlight. They became overnight celebrities because of Rio. Um, do you think towards the end they kind of just got sick of that? I mean, like everyone just wanted them on to have all the, the crack the Donovan brothers, but like you know they want to talk about rowing. Their focus is rowing. That's exactly it. Um, just before the two boys flew out to Rio, I brought him into the Southern Star office for an interview and one of the ladies in the front office came to me and she goes, there's two fellas at the front desk for you. I think they're the roars. I'm not too sure. <laughs> and it turns out they were. Like, it was, yeah, yeah. it was Gary and Paul. And you fast forward a couple of weeks and the two boys couldn't move once they came no. home. Like, they, they were rock stars, kind of 
they, they left Skibbereen as as two 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 young men. They came back as kind of national property. Everybody wanted a piece of them, um, and that's hard to deal with. Um, in fairness to them, they're very obliging. They always have been, mm. kind of in terms of pictures and so on. But they do want to be known for the rowing. Yeah. Um, Not the crack and the, the interviews and all that. That's no. exactly it. I remember I had an interview with them once. I was in the Celtic Ross Hotel and we, we sat down over there and I said, let's, I just want to talk about rowing with you. I said, I don't want to talk about the Late Late Show. I don't want to talk about Graham Norton. <laughs> I don't want to talk about kind of yeah. what's going on in, in, in the celeb world. Just talk about rowing. And we had a good chat. And I remember when the finish, Gary goes, geez, I really enjoyed that. Because it brought it back to what mm. they want to talk yeah. about, you know. Kind of, it's their personalities that have helped make them what they are. But I suppose you can never forget that they are mm. international world-class rowers. And like, look at Paul O'Donovan. Um, he's the greatest rower Ireland has ever produced. And he's only 26. Mm. He's won four world goals in the last four years. Like, he's phenomenal. He's the best lightweight rower in the world. And I suppose sometimes we probably don't give him the credit that he deserves. Um, when you see the conversations on about who's Ireland's greatest sports person, you never see Paul's name in the mix for it. And I find mm. that kind of... I can see why, in a way, because people don't necessarily think of rowing when they think of this conversation. But what this man has achieved is absolutely mm. phenomenal. In rowing circles, like I said, he's the best lightweight rower in the world. He's ranked inside the top 10 men's rowers in the world, and that takes in the heavyweight rowing as well. Yeah. So um, four world goals in a row, uh, in a row, Olympic silver, like incredible stuff. That's been the conversation, right, doesn't he? He has to be. Oh, he has to be. He's just... I find him the most intriguing character I've ever interviewed because mm. you're interviewing him and he's analysing you. <laughs> and it's just, it's, uh, he's, he knows rowing inside out. Like, I think he'll make a fantastic coach. Mm. Um, he really will. Like, the, the level of detail that he goes to. He's, uh, he's a very deep character. Um, when he walks into a, a room, he's quiet, but he has this aura about him, kind of, he's this presence about him that other people just don't have. Mm. Gary would be a lot more kind of outgoing, um, but Paul is the fellow who kind of kind of stands a step back, but you just know there's something about him. He just mm. has this this aura, and the thing is, he just backs it up when he goes in the water. If you look at this, sure, don't worry. Um, he's studying medicine inside the UCC at the moment, so he's quite busy with that. So he didn't go to the European Championships because he had exams and so on. Didn't go to the first two World Cup regattas. He was obviously training away in the background. Himself didn't. And Fintan McCarthy went to the first went into World Rowing Cup three. In Holland, they, they won silver. Then they went to the World Championships in September, qualified the Irish double for the Olympics, and they won gold. Like mm. He just hopped into the boat, yeah. and next thing they won gold. And Paul O'Donovan is the reason, too, why the Irish lightweight, lightweight men's double will be favoured for gold at next year's Olympics. Mm. It's incredible, isn't it? It Absolutely really is. Incredible. Um, what's the reaction been like to the book from the people that are featured in it, basically? I Have you heard much back from what Siri heard something there? <laughs> Have you heard much back from the people? It is a, um, a great reaction so far, really positive, which, which is brilliant to kind of to hear. Um, like I mentioned, Ross O'Donovan earlier, and he, he read the book in, over a weekend, and he sent me an email on, on a Monday morning, and he said, my wife said you captured me just perfectly. <laughs> that actually meant a lot, yeah. because you want to make sure that, that you... That you like I said, you uh, tell these people their story and do it justice. Mm. And the reaction has been very, very positive so far. And I think what's interesting about the book too is you don't have to be involved in rowing to enjoy no. it. You can just you can sit back and enjoy it because it's a story about a community. And I think whether you're in GA, rugby, or basketball, um, you'll take away something, especially when it comes to Dominic Casey, mm. because Dominic was World Rowing Coach of the Year in in 2018. Like. 
to, to learn about his philosophy, how he deals with athletes, how he approaches training, his thoughts on, on training, how he's mellowed over the years to kind of suit the athletes' needs. I think a lot of coaches can learn a lot from him because this man has overseen Skibreen become the number one rowing club in the country. Skibreen Rowing Club has put Skibreen on the map. It's the rowing club is known throughout the world. And he's transferred that success in Skibreen to international level with Ireland in, since Dominic took over as Rowing Ireland's lightweight coach um, Ireland have won Olympic silver medals they have five world champions in Gary and Paul Shane O'Driscoll Mark O'Donovan and Fintan McCarthy mm-hmm. was the latest to join the, join the gang this year Denise Walsh was a European silver medalist back in 2017 at the recent World Rowing Championships there was 10 skip rowers on the Irish team <laughs> yeah. when this lightweight double goes to next year's Olympics in Tokyo um there's at the moment you five Skibreen men battling for the two seats in the one boat coached by Skibreen men and that boat is favoured for gold so it's, it's incredible uh, the big question is um, do you have a second book in you or is, is it one and done I see your face you're like no not again not again <laughs> but we'll have to see how, how the Olympics play out next year hopefully like if the lads go for gold um, left something in the water too something in the water part too electric boogaloo and it, as well it's the fact that it could be and it looks like it's going to be lightweight lightweight rowing's last bow in the Olympics mm. it looks like it's going to be kind of turfed out um, after next year's Olympics so in a way kind of for Gary and Paul and for the Skibbering Athletes the lightweight roars this could be their last chance to win an Olympic gold medal mm. and that's what they want like it'd be a fantastic way to bow out and like I said what we do know is there will be two skid men in that boat so there'll be I suppose skid will come to a standstill again mm. next summer kind of like back in 2016 Cork representing Ireland proud again that's exactly it <laughs> yeah, it's been a pleasure having you in congratulations on the book and uh, thanks so much for coming thanks Rory yeah that's Kieran McCarthy there uh, speaking to us um about his book Something in the Water yeah um, um, about um, skimmering rowing basically um, so fantastic stuff and uh, delighted to have uh, Kieran on it was great to actually meet Kieran never actually had met him before um, so it was great to book sounds fantastic it yeah it's a fantastic like read it's, it's one of those books it's so well written that you don't have to be a sports fan um, to get it I was just going to say I nearly prefer to know nothing about Skibreen Rowing Club and just be a complete blank canvas going yeah. into it because it sounds like he's really captured all angles of it there yeah, so exactly. that's great even beyond the brothers it sounds fantastic alright we are going to uh, talk uh, Gaelic Games and uh, the Cork uh, convention taking place today Dennis Hurley uh, our good friend was uh, at Parky Cueve today Dennis uh, joins on the line now Dennis thanks very much for joining us no we don't have Dennis there Dennis uh, no, we don't have Dennis there. Seems to be something uh, wrong with the phone lines here, I think, uh, but we'll try and get Dennis back online there in just a bit. Um, we are going to just uh, hear briefly, we heard from uh, Jenny Murphy yesterday um, about, um, uh, she was a guest on John Reardon's podcast. Uh, we played a little bit of it. You can get the whole thing on redextra.ie. Um, to uh, to get more on that but we're going to play a little bit more on that and we'll try and get Dennis back on the line but this is uh, John O'Reardon's chat with Jenny Murphy the uh, Irish uh, Rugby International It's kind of cool though like I mean you literally win from the sideline two years prior to actually getting called up to literally standing with like your you know you probably didn't know him at that time in 2010 but like your near heroes you know the Fiona Coughlins and all them in the world were you any bit starstruck when you, the phone call came or were you like oh just take it head on just tunnel vision kind of vibes um, yeah, I, I definitely was. I, I hadn't a clue because you get so you get your opportunity if you're living if you're Irish qualified, but you live abroad. Um, you're 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 Irish qualified, but you get like you get whittled down. Mm. 
And what they used to do is they used to fly you over and you'd play maybe one game against like Leinster or Munster or but in this case it was you're playing against Ireland in a warm up game before the Six Nations so they'd already picked their extended squad and at the time I was in the when I was in the UK they, they after Christmas you they wanted me to fly back train and then uh, t- train in December and I was like I'm too broke to pay for flights back across from Ireland I haven't been home in ages and I'm like this is my first like year playing or whatever there's no chance I'm going to get in it so I was kind of like okay well no I'm going to I'll give it a crack next year but it's not possible so then went back to the UK in January Um, they had picked the kind of people from that are Irish qualified that were like okay I think you're good enough to maybe get a shot they were flown over for the Six Nations camps at the weekends and I was just training with the exiles and then that's how we came kind of played against Ireland so when I went back to the UK I was working in a bar and this was after I kind of had to apologise for tackling someone and, and I got a phone call from the manager at the time Gemma Crowley who is one of the most amazing managers you could ever come across and she um she gave me a call and I uh, initially thought I was like, oh my God, I'm going to have to pay medical bills for whatever. It was panic straight away. Brings your mother. Yeah. Yeah, it's Joanne's chat with Jenny Murphy there. You can get more on that on the redextra.ie website. The Joanna Raven podcast is available now. We are finally joined on the line by uh, Dennis Hurley's Talkboat Convention. Dennis, you're very welcome along to the Big Red Bench. And we've lost them again. <laughs> it's just not going to be our day. Yeah, it's after cutting out again. I'd say it's the weather. I'd, I was talking to him there, and it's just the line is after dropping again. So Yeah, I, I reckon it is the storm, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, I don't um, know what it is. Unfortunately say. so, but um, it's just we were going to talk about convention. A lot of things coming up uh, in convention today. Um, that was held in uh, Porky Cueve, and that was, of course, uh, the death kind of dominating the agenda, as Dennis Rodin on EchoLive.ie uh, this evening, the board reporting losses for uh, nearly 559, uh, nearly 560,000 euro. Um, so that was kind of dominating Tracy Kennedy as well, uh, as reported in the examiner, saying that she did contemplate stepping down as a court chairperson, uh, but she is confident the county board can uh, drag itself out of uh, the financial hole as Owen Cormac and wrote in the Irish Examiner but uh, unfortunately we couldn't get Dennis on the line I think it probably is the storm it must be it must be I had him there <laughs> he's literally like yep no problem I was like Roy will be on to you in a second and it's just poof gone um, he said he was having trouble his end as well when we were calling him a minute ago so yeah. it must be uh, Atia I think Atia is, uh, yeah, <laughs> has other plans it for us today doesn't sound all that uh, nice out there to be honest like you know so be sure and uh, take it handy if you do have to go out there hopefully you don't have to go out into that storm this evening um, but yeah take a very very handy orange uh, weather alert of course uh, in place and a uh, red alert in Kerry as well so be very very careful um, if you do find yourself um, having to go out uh, later on this evening I'm uh, going to hear just a little bit more from uh, Brendan Rogers after Celtic won their 10th domestic trophy in a row today uh, they beat uh, Rangers uh, 1-0 in the League Cup final this afternoon as the Hoops uh, continue to dominate the Scottish game manager Neil Lennon full of praise for his players to come through it, you know, to win 10 major trophies is just unbelievable. And the character and, and the pride and the resilience that they had to show today, which sometimes they don't get asked too many questions at domestic level, you can see they've got that in abundance as well. Yeah, fantastic performance uh, from the Hoops today. Finished 2 all between Brighton and Wolves in the Premier League today. 
um, in the evening kickoff half past four was uh, the kickoff time for that one Leicester City though it's quite a story from Leicester Ryan isn't it I mean like um, they um, are doing so fantastically well eight points behind uh, Liverpool uh, Gary Lineker tweeting to say that he thought that um, he thinks that maybe like, like if it wasn't for Liverpool's form Leicester would be in with a shot of winning the title 100% 100% yeah yeah. it's it's like it's incredible they're, they're 8 points behind Liverpool but also they're 6 points clear of City do you know which just really screams like their their form at the minute Vardy 16 goals in 16 games 8 goals on the trot kind of a new a new Premier League record for consecutive wins. Mm-hmm. Like they're yeah, they're they're playing to the top of their ability. They have a great squad. And a fantastic coach as well, and Brendan Rodgers it has to be said. I mean, like he has that team coach so fantastic. Well, Jimmy Vardy banging the goal certainly helps, but Rodgers is just he's fantastic he's uh, a fantastic he's coach. He's yeah, improved. he's brilliant. Oh, he's world class, absolutely. He's the guy you'd want at your club, definitely. Would you want him at your Arsenal <laughs> club? <laughs> I would want him at my Arsenal club. I think he's after apparently uh that all the talk of him that kind of the rumours that he might be joining Arsenal were just completely like it was never on the table at all mm. I think they approached him and he they he signed a new contract so obviously there might have been some truth in it there might have been some truth they're obviously trying to kind of keep him at wrapped up in Leicester but it, there might have been some truth I, I'm only going off um, David Ornstein who seems to be kind of have the inside track with all the kind of Arsenal news and stuff and he just said it was never a real a realistic prospect at all like that there was talks but that uh, they could never really kind of reach an agreement or whatever or maybe mm. he didn't want it or maybe it just didn't work out so uh, yeah, so it remains to be seen what will happen there but he's certainly after pledging his and he's right as well because if they keep going this way uh, they're going to they could possibly have like one of their best kind of Premier League tallies ever and they could most probably uh, could have uh, Champions League football mm. next season and obviously that would entice Brendan to stay there as yeah, well fantastic yes. be quite so you don't want um, Lundberg to get the job full time so no uh, like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I want anymore I yeah. just <laughs> burst into tears at any second like. yeah. <laughs> we've, um, uh, we've West Ham tomorrow night tricky fixture a trick, well, yeah, a tricky fixture. If we lose it, and I don't see any reason why we'd win it, uh, if we lose it, we're four points above the relegation zone. With Man City, our following fixture the next weekend. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah, so that'll tell you. Not pleasant reading there. A bother, all right. <laughs> if you're an Arsenal fan, it has to be said. All right, that's uh, pretty much our show for you uh, this evening. Thanks very much indeed for tuning into us on the Big Red Bench tonight on Corks Red FM. Um, as I mentioned, the Storm is playing havoc with our phone lines and here and um, we will uh, hopefully um, hopefully everything will be okay this evening and just be careful if you do have to go out in it this evening some very very strong winds are currently battering the, the Red FM uh, studios at the moment so we actually just, Roy, just before we go we have got a couple of texts in saying there are a lot of trees down on, on the roads and stuff I suppose that's the main concern just to be careful of those um, Did they say where the, the trees are down uh, the Rath Pekin Road uh, is one anyway and then other people just saying like in the general kind of county like the general back roads mm-hmm. are just littered with trees and branches so just to watch just out take it careful right that's it from us tonight thanks very much indeed for listening our podcast available redextra.ie you can get that there and uh, you can get us on Twitter at Big Red Bench and Donovan's up next with Green and Red enjoy the rest of your evening folks and we will talk to you next Saturday at 6 miss the show grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie the Big Red Bench the